Let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Numbers tonight. Uh, Numbers. I want to start a series, and, and I don't know how long it's going to go. I feel really nervous about that because I do not wish to make unnecessary sermons and, and lessons uh, just to do it, and I have no intention of quitting Revelation. So if you've come for Revelation, um, then uh, tonight you'll be sorely disappointed. But uh, the, the point of one thing to remember is that when you go into um, a, a church service, the hard thing can be, well, I go to church for that reason. Um, I, go to, I go because they talk about this. And that can be good. You can get people in the door that way. But how many of you realize that what you think you need is not always what you actually need? And when the pastor introduces his sermon, sometimes you're thinking, oh, I've heard this. By the end of it, you're saying, I actually hadn't heard that before. And maybe I had, and, uh, but, but I didn't, the Lord used it in an unusual way. And so uh, I, I want to, maybe I'm just saying that because this is going to be a really bad series. But, uh, but I, I want to encourage you to uh, just do your best to, to take um, what the Lord gives you from the word and uh, leave the rest. These are some important things. I'll make sure. All right, so your numbers. But before you do that, I, I do th- I'm going to push this off to the end. We're going to do that at the end. Make a couple of announcements there, something that we want to do to help some folks. Um, okay, so we're in numbers. <clears throat> the series is going to be called Philadelphians Living in Laodicea. And yes, that is possible. Uh, for those that don't understand that concept, uh, I won't take a lot of time to go into it, but Revelation chapters 2 and 3 outline seven different churches. And those seven churches were in Asia Minor at the time when John the Apostle wrote the book. And uh, they also represent a couple other things, one of which is a chronological sketch of the church age. Laodicea being the last church, meaning the latest, the one before the rapture, Revelation chapter 4, I saw a door open to heaven, the voice said, come up hither. So the last church before the rapture, if you look at it chronologically, would be the church at Laodicea. And the church at Laodicea uh, receives no commendation, uh, but they do receive a rebuke. And they are told that they can repent. And it's important to keep that in mind because sometimes we think, well, it's all going to go down. And sometimes we think specifically it'll go down after I'm gone. Um, and I have a way we all tie the end of the world with the end of our lives, right? Uh, it's weird how things were so much better. I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting old because I'm thinking, man, back in the 80s, things were good. And that's when some of you were saying, it's all over now. And uh, it's just... The way we are as humans, right? <clears throat> but the Lord's, and it, there is a truth that things, uh, Laodicean churches is not a good church in the sense of spiritually energized following the Lord. However, he said, I want you to repent. And if you'll come to me, I'll give you gold, try it in the fire. I'll give you uh, an ointment to, to give, to put on your, to anoint your eyes. And uh, it is possible to be a fired up Christian, a Christian who loves the Lord and is growing in the last days before Christ returns. Uh, and, and how do I know that? Because the people that got saved in the Philadelphian church age got saved the same way that I get saved. The people that got saved at the, in the early church got saved the way that I got saved. It's the same Holy Spirit. Both of us are sealed to the day of redemption. We both have the word of God We also have other things. We have the same Bible. And what's the problem? The problem wasn't with Jesus. Jesus was saying, hey, let me in. I'll work. 
Let me in. I'll do the same thing I've always done. It won't be exactly the same. It could be better. It could be better. Why? When Christ works, he does supernatural things. When we stop believing that, he stops doing it. So what we have to do is go back and, and buy of him gold, try it in the fire, and start thinking, okay, not just let everybody get excited, everybody clap and stand and scream. You know, oh, that only lasts for a short time because you go back to your normal life. But I, I want believers in their car on the way to and from work to, to, to get a spark in their mind that says, you know what, I want to do something for God. When they get home with their kids and after their kids attack them and their wife tells them about how rough it's been, and boy, it is rough. Thank God for faithful mothers and ladies who stay home and do the really hard work because that is hard work. And, uh, and, but I want those, th- those folks to say after the meal, at, hey, let, let's have our family devotions. What's family devotions? I'll tell you what family devotions is. It's a dad trying his best to teach his kids what he knows about the Bible. That's all it is. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to be James Dobson or Dr. Ruckman. You just sit down and you say, guys, I read this today. I read this, you know, last year. And uh, this is what God said to me. And you know what? It's going to be miserable because if you have kids like I had, they'll be all over the place. Sit down and you'll be frustrated. But if you'll on purpose do that, you can be a Philadelphian living in Laodicea. It's not that difficult, but, uh, but it is challenging spiritually. So we're going to talk about Philadelphians living in Laodicea. And we're going to follow, uh, at least for the beginning part, the life of the man Caleb. Caleb, who was of the tribe of Judah. And we're going to see how he had another spirit. Caleb had another spirit, even though he was in the minority. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 22. Now, we're jumping towards the end here before, uh, and we're going to go back in time and forward and back in time. But I'm going to make a point first. I want you to see this phrase, 1422 of Numbers. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went. And his seed shall possess it. Caleb had another spirit. This is a type, devotionally, this is a type of the spirit of God filling the believer and enabling him to conquer the giants in his heart and in his life. The spirit of God filling the believer. Caleb had another spirit. And he is going into this land that has been promised to him by God. He believes God's promise and he goes in and conquers the giants. So let's take our Bibles and go forward. And I'm going to look at a bunch of verses and I want you to see this phrase, not the same phrase we just looked at. Look at chapter 32, chapter 32 and verse 11. Now we saw, he said, all those men and neither shall any of them see it. Numbers 32, 11, he said, surely none of the men that came out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land. 
which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. All right, go over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, look at verse 34. He said, none of the men, except for these two. Deuteronomy 1, 34. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Holy. He's in the minority. None of the men. How many spies were there that went in to see the land? One from each tribe. There were 12 that we learned as kids. 10 were bad and two were good. All right. So that means if you did, if you do it in a percentage, that is 83, 83, I think 0.3% of the men did not get to go into the land. So you're looking at 16.67% of the people actually got to go in to the land that had been promised to them by God. Well, I know I probably wouldn't make it in the, you know, the small person. The only reason why those men did not go in is because they did not want to go in. There may have been a time when they did, but there came a point when they didn't want to enough, and so they didn't go in. If you want to be a Philadelphian living in Laodicea, it's up to you. There are lots of reasons not to be a Philadelphian. There's a lot of pressure on us to be a Laodicean, to be the normal average person who just floats like a dead fish down the stream. There's a lot of reasons. I'm telling you there's reasons. There's, there's health reasons. There's the spirit of this world that you can feel and sense everywhere you go. That's a really good reason to just float. Uh, there's family problems. Now, some of you have family problems. We don't have those. Uh, we've reached a level where our kids have always done what they're supposed to do. And uh, my wife always obeys me and I always honor her and love her. It's just a beautiful thing. We're not like y'all. We're different. Now, you're laughing because you know that's not true. How do you know that's not true? Because I'm a human. I'm sucking oxygen. That means we have problems, you have problems, everybody does, but we have an opportunity to be Philadelphian believers, believers who, what, know the word and believe the word, so they act on the word. That's all a Philadelphian is. They know the word and they believe it. Believing it means you act on it. How do I know that? Because then belief and knowledge would be the same thing. If you know the Bible, then what's the difference between knowing it and believing it? The difference between knowing and believing is doing it. That's the difference. Otherwise, belief and knowledge are the same thing. God's not looking for mental assent. He's looking for people who will go into the land. Not just say, yeah, yeah, God said that. Well, of course he said that. I believe he said it, and because I believe it, I'm going to do what he said. And what's interesting here, it's an opportunity. All these guys had the same opportunity, but only two guys actually took took it uh, and applied it to their lives. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, verse number 6. 
And the children of Judah came unto Joshua and to Gilgal. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, here he is uh, reviewing, about to go in and possess this land that he fought for. He's 85 years old. He said, thou knowest the thing that, I, that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. He's talking to Joshua, and he said, you remember what Moses said to us. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought him word again as it was where? In my heart. I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. You know what's interesting about Caleb? He had the same rah, rah, let's do this thing attitude before he went into the land, but only he and Joshua came back with that heart. They all had the heart going in, but when they went in, they found it wasn't exactly going to be easy. It was going to be really hard. And so they came back. Let me ask you a question. This is going to be a really weird question. If you could guarantee that you would stay faithful to God and all it would take, you could guarantee for the rest of your life you would stay faithful to God, all it would take is somebody punching you in the face every single day, physically punching you in the face. Would you do it? Absolute guarantee. Now, I understand. It's a horrible analogy. It's a horrible metaphor. It doesn't work logically. I'm not, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying just gut level, would you do it? I mean, absolutely guaranteed deathbed, you're kicking off for glory and you've been faithful to God and you've seen fruit, you've seen souls and you've loved your family and people are around you loving you. You could guarantee that you're going to have that when you die. And all it takes is a punch in the face every day. You know what? I think I'm in for the first day. I don't know about the rest of them. How many realize... Getting punched in the face every day is actually easier than what it's cost you to live for God. You ever think about that? How much you have actually sacrificed and be willing? You say, well, I don't think God would ever. Oh, no, you're right. God would do a lot worse. God is going to bring a lot more difficult things in your life than just a punch in the face. I mean, it's going to be inside out. It's going to be soul struggles that you can't get a hold of and doesn't wear off in 24 hours. Can last for years if you decide to serve Jesus Christ. But you know what? You should do it anyhow. Because there's coming a day when you're going to die. And when you die, where are you going to be? In heaven. And you're going to say, I wish I had given him more. I wish I had. Why? He's worthy. You know he's worthy. But the world and the flesh and the devil around us tell us that he's not that worthy. I mean, just be a Laodicean for crying out loud. You used to be Philadelphia, and that's enough. I mean, that's on your resume. That ain't going nowhere. But at the end of the day, you're not living like a Philadelphian anymore. You see, God has more for you and I. There's still giants to conquer. And the problem is a lot of those giants are right up in here. They're not the lost neighbor necessarily. Hey, we can be nice to them, but... What about the gnawing difficulty, the urges, the depression, whatever it might be in our heart that we just can't turn off? See, there's giants that the Lord wants us to conquer. And, and Caleb went in with one heart and came out with the same heart. And that gives us a clue. His heart was full of faith. Faith in what? Faith in the fact that God promised to give him the land and he was going to be able to get the land. 
It was the land. The Lord's concerned about the land. Now, this whole thing is, it, it, we're, we're applying it devotionally, spiritually tonight, but it is doctrinally true that God promised Israel the land, and they are going to get that land. God is going to give it to them, and Jesus Christ will rule and reign in Jerusalem. That, that is coming. But you and I, we have an opportunity to experience the blessing of God in the spiritual realm that are just as absolute as the promise that God gave to Israel. Look at chapter 14, verse number 8. He said, I, I, I brought him word again as it was in my heart. My heart was in the right place. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord, my God. This is, it, it's really important that you hang out with people who encourage you spiritually. You need to get with somebody that fires you up. Somebody that challenges you, that says, let's do this. Do you have a friend? If your friends are just around things of this world, that may be great. But what about someone who challenges you spiritually? What about someone who says, hey, let's pray together? You know, it's, isn't it kind of weird how Christians could feel awkward about praying? Christians. Why? I'll tell you the reason. And I'm not trying to be mean. The reason is you haven't done it enough. It's the same reason that I feel awkward when I shoot a basketball with my left hand. Why? I don't feel awkward with my right hand. Why? I've done it a lot. Now, I may not make it, but I don't feel awkward shooting. With my left, I feel weird. You say you throw like a girl, right? You feel like, what what do you mean? It's not that girls aren't athletic. It's that often girls aren't handed a ball when they're two years old and said, throw this. We hand balls to our little boys. So they grow up throwing a ball, so they throw like a boy. No one says, you throw like a boy. Now, I know that's very politically incorrect. And we could, our church could be sued out of existence. But here's the thing. I'm actually a boy that, it, it, that is identifying as a girl. So there you go. So I'm out of that one. Amen. But, but you understand what I mean about the process and the habitual practice of something? The more that you do it, the better you feel about it, the stronger you feel. Now, you'll be frustrated between here and, and a good habit. But you got to keep getting that, go through that frustration in order to get there, right? So he said here, I, I wholly followed the Lord. My brethren didn't, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And you may have to part company with brethren that make your heart melt. You may have to part company with, with, with people on, on uh, the, the internet that make your heart melt. With, with talking heads that make your heart melt. you got to watch. The one, what's amazing about this is, is Caleb took complete ownership of the message, of the mission, but he, also, he, he was able to accomplish this mission ultimately because he also took authority over his own heart. He said, this is what I am going to do. I'm not going to hang out with those who make my heart melt. Hey, uh, those of you who are in, uh, in the retirement age, you got to be careful if you're around the house all day and you just watch television or get on the Internet. We tell the young people that, and we tell them that because it's true. They should be careful. But you got to be careful if you got a lot of time and you're just taken, 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 taken in. Amen. Is it, are we dismissing now? Or? 
Am I telling the truth or not? You know it's true. We all have to be careful to monitor our intake because it affects our heart. Things that make our heart melt, it's okay to say, don't have time for that. I'm not going to let you melt my heart today. I've got other things that I've got to get done. Now he said in verse number nine, Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land whereon thy foot have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. Notice that the effect is multi-generational. Over and over again, we've seen this. Caleb wasn't just doing this for himself. He was doing it for his kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids. He was following the Lord and it was having a generational impact well beyond his death. That is what you and I have an opportunity to do, not just in the biological sense, but in the spiritual sense. Generation after generation of people can be affected if we choose to wholly follow the Lord. Holy, as in the whole thing. As in when you get a donut and somebody takes a bite out of it, you say, what are you doing? Why are you taking a bite out of my donut? We understand what whole means. Now you can get the donut holes, right? You know, it's interesting. If you trace out the words holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and holy, H-O-L-Y, they're actually distant cousins. They, they mean something on purpose set aside for that alone. Holy. On purpose. Caleb said, my heart is for God. I'm sure he had backyard barbecues. I'm sure he had hobbies. I'm sure he went on vacations. He did normal stuff. You don't understand what I mean. But his heart was holy for God. I'm not splitting it up between everything. and I'm not giving a piece to the world, a piece to my family, a piece to my business, a piece to my hobbies. My heart is completely God's. And whatever I do, when I eat a burger, when I go on vacation, when I'm watching a movie, when I'm sitting with my family, when we're in the car, my heart is totally for God. Now that takes some doing. That takes some monitoring. Look at chapter 14, verse 13. Here, Joshua says, okay, Caleb, you did it, man. 85 years young. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. We'll study more about Hebron as we go. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that, one more time, he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. On purpose, I'm doing this thing. Now, it's one thing to start out when you're 40 years old. It's another thing to say that, that that's your testimony still when you're 85 years old. And the Bible says that his strength was the same. Ian Thomas has a great quote in a book called, If I Perish, I Perish. It's a, it's a, a spiritual metaphor type of a thing from the book of Esther. And he said this in the book. He said, of course, you can afford to die once you have become utterly convinced that death to yourself is to trade what you are for what Christ is. But it is right at this point that unbelief rears its ugly head. If you are not wholly convinced that Jesus Christ is willing and able to take over, then you will hang on like grim death to what you are. You may be absolutely certain that you will never know that deep-seated peace that comes from allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to assume responsibility and to get into business. You'll never know the deep-seated peace 
that we must have to survive this weird age. You'll never know it unless you are willing to allow Jesus Christ to completely assume the responsibility of your life. That's what God wants. And for those of us raised in church and our parents and grandparents raised in church, it's more than going to a building. Now, you need to go to a building. Some of your new Christians, you need to come to church. You need to come often. You need to come. But listen, some of us, we've been coming to church since we were in the womb. It's more than going to a building. It's allowing Jesus Christ to assume responsibility for what you think, what decisions you make, who you love, what you do. It's all part of that. And it goes beyond all the rules and regulations that we've heard since a child. It's a heart. God's looking for the heart. Now let's go back in time, if you would. This is a 45 years rewind in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Let's see a little bit about our good friend Caleb here. Numbers chapter 13. This is how it all started. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. One of the things we're going to talk about is the difference between the 40 years wandering in the wilderness the first time and the 40 years wandering in the wilderness the second time. Phase one, phase two. Yes, Caleb got to do it twice. Do you see, what, what God has for Caleb is going to be based on those two phases in his life. But he started out, this 40 years here is the first phase, and he was a man, and God give us good men. We need men. Men are different from women. They're not better than women. Why would you, who, who started that idea? They're not better. They're different. We need some men who will lead, first of all, their own hearts, as Caleb did, and then lead their families, as Caleb did. And God uses those men to help lead the church. And then when the church is functioning properly, it can help lead others to Jesus Christ. We know what we want to do? We want to pick and choose which one we're going to do. I'm not going to mess with leading my family, but I'm going to try to win souls. Or I'm, I'm really good at, at, at having family devotions, but I haven't seen anyone saved in 50 years. You see, we all like to pick and choose, but God wants those things to flow. They go together. And here, Caleb is chosen because he is a ruler of his tribe, just like all the 12 men in chapter 13. Look at verse 3. Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Headship. It's very important. Headship. Look at chapter 13, verse 6. Of the tribe of Judah. That's a good tribe, wouldn't you say? Who, who else very important came from the tribe of Judah? Jesus. He was a very popular figure in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, right? It's amazing to see that Caleb is in this favored tribe. And it gives us a clue about his future. But it says, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. All right, look at chapter 13. Let's go down to verse number 17. 
And it says, And Moses sent them, all these twelve men, to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain. Notice, he told them, We're down here, we want to go up there. Philadelphians living in Laodicea. You know what Laodiceans say? What's wrong with right here? The Lord's coming. You know what? You know how many more crimes are being committed now than used to be? You know about all the internet porn? You know about all the junk and the, and the, and the fentanyl and the, and the opioid crisis? And, and you know all the stuff that, the, the, the broken home? Yeah. We're down here. There ain't no doubt we're down here. But we're trying to go up there. We're trying to get beyond just the normal everybody hates one another. You know, subsistence living. He said, go up. So the verse 21. So they went up. They went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zen unto Rehob as men came uh, to Hamath. And verse 25. And they returned. So he told them to go. Tell me what's going on up there. They returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So what we find out from the very beginning is holy following the Lord means three, at least three things. One, he listened to instructions. He listened. Now that's, <laughs> you ever got a hold of your kids and face them, face their face, you know, move their face till it looked, are you listening to me? Have, has the Lord ever done that to you? Uh, listen to me. God is very kind, but he's really serious about what he's saying. Listen to me. Number two, he obeyed instructions. All right, now this still, this still, apply, this still uh, applies to all 12 of them up to this. They listened to instructions. They obeyed instructions. Now the third thing that Caleb had to endure was he had to wait on other people to follow through on the mission. He was forced to wait on others. So I'm just going to say from the beginning, if you're going to be a Philadelphia a Philadelphian living in Laodicea, it's not enough for you to listen to instructions and to actually implement those and follow through and obey them. You are going to be waiting on other people. Sometimes that person's going to be you. Sometimes it's going to be your family, other believers. Why? You ever get so fired up about Jesus and you're like, this is great, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, and then you talk to another Christian and they just deflate your balloon completely. And you think, oh, I, I thought it was important. You ever have somebody come to you, and, and, and you uh, or you go to them and you say, hey, let me show you what I, what I found in the Bible. Be careful before you do that. Why? Because they can let the air out of your balloon. They're like, uh, actually, that's not even what he's saying. And you walk away and you think, oh, forget it then. Right? Why? Because it's not just you and God that are going to go through this Christian life. You're going to deal with somebody else. God intends it for it to be that way. Why? He's going to change you. He's going to structure you. That's why it's important for you to, to know other believers, to be in the church, to be connected. He is going to use other people to frustrate you to no end. And he intends to do so. Consider him that endured such contradictions of, of sinners against himself, lest ye be weird and faint in your minds. You see, Jesus Christ himself came here as the Son of God, perfect, holy, harmless, separate from sinners, and yet he lived and, 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 and ate with them. And he worked with them. And he constantly had to be on guard. He had to be holy for God while living in a wicked generation. And that's our job. Moms, you have to be holy following the Lord, even though you're raising the spawn of Satan. 
And you know, of course, it's your husband's fault. We know that, right? You, you, you have, hey, dad, you have to get up and go to work and work with a bunch of filthy guys or, and now filthy men, uh, women, and, and maybe some you're not quite sure which they are. And, and you're, you're, and you're not trying to be mean, but it's just weird out there. And then you have to come home and you have to try to be this godly man that cares about holiness and do the right thing and lead your family through a minefield. You see, it's, it's, it's not just you hearing the word of God and following through. You have to wait on other people. And that's what, that's what Caleb had. Now let's see what happened in chapter 13, verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, all 12 of them, to all the congregation of, of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. What did they bring back? The grapes of Eskal, right? Gigantic. It was on a pole. They had to, two guys had to carry it. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land of the south. Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And watch the response of Caleb. We understand uh, by extension, Joshua also has this spirit. 16.67% of the people say this. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. I like Brother Ron Ralph. He said, uh, Caleb had a calming spirit. He stilled the people. Again, go back to, you know, social media and mainstream media, whatever, you're going to have a hard time stilling your heart. You've got to be careful with that stuff. So he, he stilled the people. He had a calming spirit, and then he had a climbing spirit. Notice he said, let us go up. Everybody was willing to go up the first time, but when they saw the giants that came back, they said, no, we'd rather just stay down. Caleb said, let's go up. And he said, we are well able. He said, uh, let us go up at once. And, uh, and, and I like what he said, Brother Ralph, he said he had a combative spirit. Let's do it right now. What are, what, what are we doing? Let's do it right now. You know what? One of these days, maybe we ought to just go crazy and do it right now. You know why? Because sometimes when you wait and you put it off and you put it off and you put it off, you never do it. And what you, you'd rather live with guilt for not doing it than the pressure of actually doing it. It's kind of weird to me. I like guilt. Guilt is good. Well, you need to be careful. If it's things of, of, of great importance that a lot hinges on, yeah, you need to be slow. You know, we're going we're gonna to buy a house. Let's buy the first one. No, you need to take some time. But when it comes to the things of God, should I read my Bible? Yeah, just do it right now. Should I pray? Yeah, I really need to pray about that. Stop where you are right now and pray. I need to give out some tracts. Just go give it out right now. Don't let that little brat inside of you put it off and put it off and put it off. Isn't it true that he or she gets whatever she or he wants when it's something to do with the flesh? And he or she inside will say, I'll take it right now and I'll throw a fit until I get it. Well, how about this? We're going to do something for God right now. 
I'm going to text them right now. I want to let you know that I'm praying for you. I need to get in touch with her someday. Do it right now. Oh, I I should probably send them a card and maybe give them some money. Do it right now. You know, it's really easy when you have cards already and you have things, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, And listen, I'm not saying be foolhardy with all of your decisions. You understand what I'm saying? When it comes to the things of God, let us go up at once. Let's go up at once. You say, well, what if it doesn't happen? At least you can put your head, it, it, what if nothing comes of it? You can put your head on the pillow and say, well, at least I tried. Rather than feeling guilty for not even having tried. Just do it. Just do it. Nothing will happen. Yeah, probably right, but I'm doing it anyhow. I got you on that one, didn't I, old nature? Nothing will probably happen. You're right, but you know what will happen? I'm going to go do it right now. That's what's going to happen. And then when I lay down at night, I can, I can adjust. You can steer a moving car, but you can't steer a parked car. you got to get moving. Do something. First one is the worst one. Rough draft. Man, I hated rough drafts growing up in high school. I hated it. But you know why you had to do it? Because the first one's the worst one. So just get it out of the way. It's going to be ugly. Can you imagine me doing a, a, a swan dive off of a 20-foot diving board? I can tell you, it would take more than one for me to figure out how to do that. At some point, you just got to get off and just go. Just do it. Stop trying to be so perfect, right? Stop trying to be the, 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 the you know, prima donna, whatever. Okay, let's get back on here. Number four, he said, let us go. We are well able to overcome it. He had a conquering spirit. You see, this is the kind of spirit that, that Caleb had. He had another spirit. Another spirit. Another from what? Another from these guys, verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. Uh, You ever watch the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? That's kind of the idea here. I mean, they're, they're the, 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 the little people that got shrunk down. And, and they... I'll turn on this one here. Thank you. I think the battery just died. Uh, and, and so he said here, it's a land that eateth up the inhabitants, all the people that we saw in a great stature, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. You know what's interesting about that right there? That is the place that Caleb ends up. Caleb heard them whining about the sons of Anak, and he said, that sounds like a good place for me to go. And he ends up there. The Anakim, that's the plural of Anak. Whenever you read through that, it's the sons of the giants. You know, something to keep in mind, that was a spiritual, where the spiritual meant the physical. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, and also they were giants in the earth in those days. When you decide to do something for God, live as a Philadelphian in Laodicea, you're going to run smack dab into spiritual warfare. The spiritual is going to meet the physical. And, and I'm not saying that to spook you. I'm, I'm just saying it's been reality for me. And I know every believer here that tried to do something for God. Something's going to happen with your family. Something's going to happen with your health, with your job. Something's going to happen with your church. The fur is going to hit the fan. So what do we do? 
Well, I'll tell you what we should do. We should gossip. We should sit in our, in, our, in our homes and wonder and question, and we should call our closest friends and try to figure out exactly. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to you, but that's, that's what the flesh can do. And that's what the flesh reaches for. We all reach for that. i got to figure this thing out logically. You know what Caleb said? Caleb didn't look at those giants and say, I couldn't do that in my flesh. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Caleb said, I couldn't kill. I'm not stupid. I can't kill a giant. But God can kill a giant. That's how he's living his life. I don't know what kind of problems you have. I guarantee you, you're not going to be able to fix your problems. I just go ahead and say that. And even if you do fix that one, it's going to be whack-a-mole and something else is going to come up. But I can tell you this, God's not afraid of your problems. He can fix your problems. He's been doing that ever since he created man. He's been fixing man's problems and he can fix your problem. Now you may walk with a limp like Jacob. You, you might be the 16.67% of people left after everybody else decides they're not going to do it, but God can do it. You might be 85 years old until God does it, but God can do it. Look at there if you would at... He said, we saw the giants. You know, Caleb had a different spirit. He had a different spirit than the majority. We need some Christians that are tired of Egypt. They're tired of the wilderness. They're tired of being intimidated by giants, being defeated, and being discouraged. And we need some Christians that are going to say, I want that mountain. I'm going in, I'm going up, and I'm going to face the giants in my life. This is not just a a coach speech before we go out on the court. This is reality. Listen, you guys, we we all know that if we wanted to, we could quit right now. We could just stop. If you've been saved for 10 minutes, you've had some kind of spiritual warfare in battle. You've been saved for 10 years, you got enough to quit on God and, and, and probably to quit on Christians. It hurts to follow God. Hey, that's what, we, that's what we were signed up for. We got, a, we got a privilege of going in to conquer the land. And here's the thing. We have another spirit. Take your Bibles. Let's go, if, if you would, let's, let's take our Bibles to the New Testament. Let's see where I'm going here. 1 Corinthians, there we go. Get so fired up, I forget where I am. I want to ask you this question before we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Caleb had another spirit. <clears throat> if someone today, if, if a Philadelphian were living in Laodicea, and he had a different spirit than the spirit of the age, what would that look like? Well, we'd first have to determine what's the spirit of the age. I think the spirit of the age is a spirit of apathy. People like entertainment. They like to sit back. They like to chill. They like to just hang out. They like to relax. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it can easily lean towards a spirit of apathy. Pleasure over pain. Right? Well, why would anyone choose pain over pleasure? Well, if they wanted to improve themselves. You, you can't improve yourself spiritually, physically, in any way through pleasure. It's gonna, there's going to be a pain point at some place. What would be another spirit other than the spirit of apathy? How about a spirit that loves God with the whole heart? 
The spirit of the age is a spirit of slumber. You know, how do I know that? Because I saw a guy in, in the store uh, in the afternoon with his pajamas on. It's a spirit of slumber. Just roll out of bed, roll whenever. Everybody ch- just chill out. Can't we all just relax? Well, yeah, if we all want to go to sleep, we could relax. You know, a grown man with a wife and three kids, and he stays up till one, two, three in the morning every night playing video games? What, what, are, we t- <laughs> what are you doing, man? Right? I know you did it growing up. You're, you're not a kid anymore. It's time to move forward. What would be another spirit? Rather than a spirit of slumber, how about a spirit of zeal? Some, some fire. Somebody that wants to get something done, some energy. The spirit of the age, the spirit of sloth, laziness. What would be another spirit? A spirit of diligence. Coming back to it. Thank God for the diligent believers that we have here. The spirit of the age is a murmuring spirit. Whine, complain. Be careful inculcating that in your children too. You know, you train a child to whine. And uh, how do you do it? Well, you baby your child until they whine. And when they whine, you give them what they want. That's how you cultivate a whiny spirit. I'll say it one more time. And, and, And believe me, I'm... Uh, reproaching myself in this when you when you allow a child to get what it that child wants when they whine you're teaching them to whine because they get what they want when they do what they shouldn't do so you're teaching them to do what they should not do and and it's all over the place the murmuring the complaining the whining what would be another spirit Uh, Another spirit would be a spirit of contentment, a spirit of biting your tongue, spirit of not complaining. We have in our age, we have the spirit uh, of entitlement. I deserve it. In fact, that's what Laodicea means, the rights of the people. I deserve this. Well, what would be another spirit? A humble and grateful spirit. Thank God for what I have. Aren't you amazed how much you like your home when you go somewhere and, uh, and, and, and you're in an adverse circumstance or you're away from your family or away from the comforts of home and you come back and you're grateful for what you have? It really is, is multiplied when you go to another country. You come back, you're grateful for America, right? And so that's the kind of spirit that would be another spirit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The good news is this, believer, if you are saved, you have another spirit. Chapter 2, verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are purchased from him. No, freely given. Freely given. You know what the Lord did? He gave Israel the land of Canaan. But they had to go up and get it. We've received the spirit, not of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know How do we know the things that are given to us? Here's how we do it. Verse 13, which things, those things that are given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Um, Listen, Christian radio can do a lot of good for you. Uh, Reading books can be helpful, podcasts and all that. But you know where you're going to know the things that are freely given to us of God, not of Tyndale House Publishers? 
of God, not Dr. Dobson. And I'm not denigrating those folks. I thank God for everything they've done for the Lord. I'm saying the things that are freely given to us of God, where do we get them? Which the Holy, which the Holy Ghost teacheth, verse 13, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The words of God are freely given to you. So let me ask you a question. What are the giants in your life? What are your besetting sins and what are 10 verses on your besetting sin? You see, we, we, we have this idea that somehow I just made it just by hook or by crook and I'll always be this way. God has freely given to you the land of Canaan, a land of promise, a place of being filled with the spirit of God, enjoying your Christian life. But you're going to have to fight some giants. And so you're going to have to learn some moves. You're going to have to get some weapons. And those weapons are called the words of God. So what are your, what is it? Is it laziness? Is it anger? Is it depression? Well, God, the the Bible doesn't have my particular problem. Well, you're going to have to do some study because, because you, I guarantee you there's medical terms for your problem that are not in the Bible. Well, and I, I guarantee you, I'll find a way if I don't want it, I'll find a way to prove to myself that it's not in the Bible. I'll figure it out. In some cases, Laodiceans, you know what they do? They'd rather listen to somebody else break it down for them rather than get in the Bible and actually study it. Why? Study is hard work. How do you study the Bible? Okay, if you don't know how to study the Bible, here's the easiest thing to start doing. Define the words in the dictionary. Just write out a book, uh, write out a verse, one verse. Define that word. Secondly, look up that word in your Bible app. See, every form of the word, weeping, weepest, weeped, uh, wept, uh, weep, all those, look them up in the Bible and just start writing down the references. That's how you learn the Bible. And over time, the Holy Spirit will teach you how this one goes over here, this one goes over here, and, and you start understanding the Bible. It's very simple, but that's hard work. That is how you have another spirit from the spirit of this world. It's by getting into the very words of God. Now, one more place and we'll close. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is a law. It's a law. Just like the law is, I'm going to die someday and get buried in the ground. There's a law called my new nature will never die. And that's the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Hath made me free. What's the tense of that word hath? Past, present, or future. It's what happened in the past and it continues to the the present day. Hath made me free. I am free in Christ Jesus. From what? From the law of sin and death. You know, Caleb beat the law of sin and death for 40 extra years, 45 years. Why? Because he had another spirit. Everybody else died in his high school class except for Joshua. He made it 45 years and he stood at the end. Why? He beat the law of sin and death with the law of the sin uh, with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Caleb started out as a slave. And by the end of it, he's a conquering hero. 
He's a soldier who's been trained to fight. He had to wait on his platoon. Finally, they all get up to the line. They go in and they beat the bad guys. Why? He had another spirit. You have another spirit. I know your dad did A, B, C, and D, and your mom did it. And you grew up with neighbor kids who did this. Or you don't even have a, na- a, a mom or a dad around. I know all of that is true. You have a spirit of man, but now as a believer, you have the spirit of God in you. You have another spirit. You're in the minority that's going to make it all the way through. Why? Because you have the spirit of God. Look what he says. For if the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sin, uh, sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. (laughs) That's amazing. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh. Amen, believer, no matter how long we've been saved, not walking after the flesh, but after the spirit. He says in verse number five, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, like David, a man after God's own heart, like Caleb, wholly following the Lord. What am I doing? I'm following God. They that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Like David said, my soul followeth hard after thee. Following hard. Sometimes following is hard. And and what he's saying is, I am right next right next to you God that's what I'm doing if you beat me up I'm sticking with you if I have to cry myself to sleep I ain't going anywhere from you God that's a different spirit why because the normal spirit is if God breathes on me the wrong way I'm done I'm sorry I'm sorry I just can't you know what a believer with another spirit says to whom shall we go thou hast the words of eternal life I'm sticking with you, God, though I, if I were to die and go to hell, believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, that's what, and I'm not saying you can, believe me, that's just good old Southern preaching. What I'm saying is I'm not getting rid of you, God, and you can't get rid of me. I am going to stay with you. Even if you change everything about me, If you change everything. I think every way I've always done it. You can change me. God, isn't he the manufacturer and the owner? Doesn't he have a right to update the software at some point? Doesn't, don't we need to be updated sometimes? God has a right to release a new version of you. He's been trying to work out bugs for how long? Hey, let God change you. Let him take you into a new place, a new way of thinking. Well, you don't know what I've been through. You're right. You know who does? The manufacturer. He knows what you've been through. And he cares. And he is going to bring you through because he is the spirit of life. The spirit of life has a law that says, if you're innocent, you can't stay dead. Jesus Christ was innocent, even though he was condemned in the flesh, but he was innocent of that sin. And so he came back to life. You have the spirit of life in you. And though you may die day by day, you can live the life of Jesus Christ. You want to be 18 again? You are 18 eternally from an energy, spiritual energy standpoint. You will never get old spiritually. You will never get corrupted and die spiritually. You are just as new as the day you got saved. Unless you've been walking after the flesh. If you've been walking after the flesh, you're going to feel like you're just about dead spiritually. God can't do anything with this. 
Hey, Christian, you've been through some battles, but there's still more giants to fight. How do I know that? You're still alive. God has you here right now on purpose, and you can make the, the, you can get the victory in your life. He goes on to say, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And look at the last verse, or look at verse number 10, the last one on my list. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. And that's not just the physical body, that's the body of sin. But it applies to our body for sure. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Can you conquer the giants? Absolutely. Because he can conquer the giants. Can you make it through this phase in your life? Absolutely. There's only one person here that's close to 85 that I know of. I think it's Dick Bellinger. I think you're a little beyond 85. You're not dead yet. You know, Brother Dick just got saved, what, two years ago? Something like that? One year ago? Wow. Hey, it's not too late to get on the train. You know what's going to happen? He's going to wake up. Spiritually speaking, he's, he's the same age as anyone here. Forever, he is going to be that new creature in Jesus Christ. And you are too. You are too. You've taken a lot of hits. And it has not been easy. No one's saying that it has. But I can promise you this. If the Spirit of God is in you, you're going to make it through. And he must believe that you can win the victory. And even if you don't, you can put your head down, not on the, on the pillow, but on the chopping block and say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith all the way till the end. You can be a Philadelphian believer in Laodicea.